Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is Thursday, the 13th day of January 2022, and an article in The Hill got my attention today. It says Russian President Vladimir Putin will win the ongoing discussions with the U.S. and Vladimir Putin will demand that the West simply affirm their sphere of influence. And that's what will happen as long as Joe Biden is unwilling to consider using force to deter him from his grand plan to reconstitute the Soviet Union. Nobody wants World War III. I certainly don't. I know you don't. But eventually, this article says, Vladimir Putin will establish a presence in the Ukraine, and he will then be followed up by being fully welcome in Belarus and Kazakhstan. He will not stop there. In the meantime, regardless of whatever results of this week's talks with gropey Joe Biden, Putin is getting a laugh at the feeble-minded old fool in the White House. And regardless of substantive results of the talks, he will get higher approval ratings from Russian voters. He will become a mightier ruler and his international reputation amongst U.S. competitors, including China, will soar. Two basic outcomes can come from this meeting. Number one, the U.S. and NATO allies simply will have to accept Putin's demands that the former Soviet Union, except the Baltic states, be not only accepted, but seen as part of Russia's sphere of influence. Essentially, this means the U.S. endorses Russia's right to affect the defensive, political, economic, and cultural character of former Soviet republics, such as the Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Belarus, and others in perpetuity. This also means the U.S. and its allies would be forbidden from conducting any military exercises or sending military aid to any of those countries within the Russian sphere of influence. Of course, the U.S. will never agree to this, but the fact that Putin, the leader of a country whose economy is as small as Italy's, can simply summon the U.S. and NATO partners with such demand on the table is telling that Putin indeed does have the upper hand over a feeble, weak-minded, gropey Joe Biden. Remember, countries cannot run effective military campaigns if their economies suck. But don't worry, my friends. Gropy Joe Biden is seeing to it that America's so-called improving economy during his administration is just paper being printed at a printing press somewhere in D.C. And that the value of the GDP on that paper is as worthless as any words that come out of Gropy Joe Biden's mouth. The second option, of course, is the West rejects Putin's demands and imposes new far-reaching sanctions more so than even those imposed by a real leader, Donald Trump. These could include, of course, economic sanctions more severe than those used during several rounds in the past that were directed at the ruling class as well as ordinary Russians. Freezing bank accounts, restricting exporting essential goods to Russia, these have been ineffective in persuading Putin to change his flagrant geopolitical behavior. They're unlikely to produce different results this time around. Because Putin and those closest to him, like Biden and those closest to him, have amassed large amounts of personal wealth. They can personally withstand all the sanctions you want. 
The new sanctions should also include a widespread cyber attack on Russia's systems of air and land transportation, communication, internet, radio, television, banking and capital markets, energy, anything that makes that country function, according to this article. The U.S. has the cyber arsenal to mount such an attack and bring life in Russia to a grinding halt. But here's the problem. Russia and China have similar technologies. Hell, they've proven it. They've intervened with our commerce, with our 2020 and 2016 presidential elections, according to those on the left, only when it benefits them, of course. They would have no problem using those weapons again. They'd play the victim of the capitalistic West. So unless the U.S. is willing to consider using other means of power, you know, like the military, I don't think we should mount a cyber attack. Russia would certainly counter with a similar stroke. And it doesn't cost them anything to press a few buttons on a computer. Now, the U.S. is telling the world that war is off the table. And A. Blinken, <clears throat> excuse me, Secretary of State A. Blinken, that's Antony Blinken, seems to behave like old Neville Chamberlain, the old British Prime Minister who in 1939 was willing to consider anything except war against Hitler. In these kind of situations, bullies like Putin call the shots. And weak guys, big mouth weaklings like Joe Biden, cower in fear. Today it's Putin, tomorrow it could be Xi Jinping of China. And hell, the way gropey Joe Biden's running things into the ground, little rocket man might follow. So for now, America, just sit back and watch Joe Biden cower in fear to a stronger leader with a weaker country. It's a shame, but it is what we're stuck with, as long as we have Joe Biden in the White House. Many of my listeners have young children still attending school. Some have children attending college. And that is part of the problem. The regular school, of course, being interrupted by all of the teachers' unions claiming that COVID is keeping them out of the classrooms. But in college, it's far worse. You have these so-called professors indoctrinating your youngsters in the ways of socialism and communism, finding excuses and reasons to demonize and vilify the United States of America and all of its so-called racist teachings. They are destroying the minds of younger Americans. But don't worry, there might be hope. Before I tell you about that hope, I will tell you this. There is a place for some students in colleges and universities. If your student, your child, wishes to become a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, a chemist, a neurobiologist, something useful, I have no problem with your child going to college. But if they're going to learn basket weaving or racial socialism programs or all of these gender studies and other ridiculous art programs, you're wasting your money and their time. The good news I was about to tell you is that student enrollment dropped 465,000 this past fall. The continued erosion of enrollment is raising alarms. College admissions fell once again this fall, a new report has found, prompting some to worry about whether the declines experienced during the pandemic could become an enduring trend. Oh, how we could only hope. The National Student Clearinghouse Research Center on Thursday said undergraduate enrollment fell in the fall of 2021, a drop of 3.1 percent, 
little over 465,300 students compared with the year earlier. The news continues. That drop is similar to that of the previous fall, which contributes to a 6.6% decline in undergraduate enrollment since 2019. This means, fortunately for America, over a million students have gone missing from the so-called higher education institutions in the wake of the Rona pandemic. Even as campuses have largely reopened and returned to some semblance of normalcy, people are not pursuing credentials at the same rate as before. It's because they realize they can go out and get a real job in some trade and make way more money than they can coming out with a piece of paper, no experience, and that piece of paper tells people that they spent four years studying something stupid. Experts worry about the unabating declines that signal a shift in attitudes about higher education and could threaten the economic trajectory of an entire generation. Oh, we can only hope. <clears throat> Doug Shapiro is the executive director of the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, and he said in a recent interview, the longer this continues, the more it starts to build its own momentum as a cultural shift and not just a short-term effect of the pandemic disruptions. Students are now questioning the value of college, rightfully so. They may be looking at friends who graduated last year or the year before who didn't go, and they seem to be doing fine. Most people are working. Their wages are up. Job openings, after all, are at a record high. No one wants to go to work since Joe Biden and the Democrats started paying people more money in welfare and government handouts than they did to work. But those who did go to work have now advanced. They've learned. They've excelled. They've succeeded. And they're making money. So with all the help wanted signs up everywhere and people hiring just about anyone and training them to a good job with good skills and a good future, the lure of what many economists say is a job seekers market might be siphoning off some would-be students. Indeed, one of the sharpest declines this fall was amongst people 24 and older at four-year colleges, meaning the adult learners have figured it out as well. Let's go get a job and make some money. The number of associate's degree-seeking students enrolled at four-year institutions plummeted in the fall, down 11% from last year, and that was on top of more cuts the year before. Still, the public two-year colleges remain the hardest-hit sector since the start of the pandemic. Enrollment is down 13.2% since 2019, and leaders of community colleges say some of their students struggled to pivot online at the start of the health crisis because of spotty internet access, while others took a step back from school for family obligations. Because community colleges educate a large share of students from low to moderate income families, higher education experts worry continuation of enrollment declines could erode their earnings potential meaning Tyrone gonna make less money if he don't stay up in that desk school and get his little associate's degree. There's a great deal at stake, he said, Shapiro that is. We have to get students back on track. Otherwise, we don't get our salaries for teaching them the garbage we teach them. Hmm, kind of sounds like the truth is coming back to haunt the colleges. And for them, the truth hurts. We'll be right back. By the way, the U.S. jobless claims rose by another 23,000 to a whopping 230,000 last week, the highest level since mid-November. U.S. jobless claims climbed last week 
The four-week moving average rose 6,300. The weekly applications, a proxy for layoffs, have risen in four of the last five weeks, meaning Joe Biden is losing the jobs race. There are still over 10 million job openings, according to economic data from the Labor Department. So tell me, gropey Joe Biden, how is it there are so many jobs open, but so many more people filing for unemployment? Do you think your economy sucks? It's not only upside down, but it is inside out. Massive government spending, stimulus checks, and all of those things that you guys keep begging us to believe are helping the economy are actually hurting it. Remember, four and a half million workers quit their jobs in November of last year alone. They still haven't given you the number who quit in December, and we're halfway through January. Wow. This Joe Biden administration is as blind as they are stupid. And some of those job losses, those people who decided to quit, come from the very ranks of the White House itself. Politico writes, White House departures send tremors through the environmental community. The resignation of yet two more members of the White House staff, this time high-profile White House environmental officials, have rattled activists who fear gropey Joe Biden will fail to deliver on his promises to tackle the pollution that is supposedly plaguing minority and low-income communities. I'm going to stop before I go any further. My boys, my girls in the hood, y'all needs to listen up right here, you heard? The pollution that is plaguing minority and low-income communities comes right out your own houses and cars. I drove down Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Boulevard in New Orleans here a couple of weeks ago and watched AA 13% hyphenated American minorities tossing crap out of the windows of their cars all along the roadway, just throwing their garbage right out in the street. I saw garbage piled up on the streets. Of course, I saw hoopties, and if you don't know what a hoopty is, it's an old beat-up car belching smoke because they're not running right. I saw people actually urinating on the sidewalk. You want to clean up pollution in the hood, Mr. Biden? You don't need high-level, high-paid government employees to run studies and committees and commissions. You simply need to tell the minority and low-income community directly, quit throwing crap out in the streets. Quit defecating on the lawn. Quit pissing on the sidewalks. Quit throwing your cigarette butts out. Quit dumping your garbage in your own neighborhoods. For Christ's sake, it's only two more steps to a garbage can. It's only five more blocks to your house. Don't throw it out on the street, you idiot. Keep it in the car. It's not dragging your fuel economy down that much to drive it home five blocks and then take it out and put it in a trash can. The abrupt exits of Cecilia Martinez and Kevin Kiev of the White House's Council on Environmental Quality within days of each other have sparked alarm amongst environmental justice experts who had already been frustrated by what they see as the Biden administration's lack of progress in fulfilling one of his campaign promises, lies, to fix historic environmental and economic problems. 
Biden has put environmental justice on the back burner, but he claims it's at the top of his administration's green agenda, battling climate change. His focus on the issue won praise from communities at election time, but guess what? The truth hurts, my friends. He told you that so that you would vote for him. And now he, like many San Francisco residents, has pulled down his trousers and taken a dump on the sidewalk of your environmental dreams. The CEQ departures prompted three members of the Gropey Joe White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council, including its co-chair, to write to Ron Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, asking him to explain how the administration plans to fulfill its environmental justice campaign lies, uh, goals. The letter revealed to Politico requested that the White House install an environmental justice expert in the Climate Policy Office, led by Chief Domestic Climate Advisor Gina McCarthy. Think about this, folks. We're talking about people who make $250,000 to $400,000 per year to be the chief so-and-so or the head such-and-such or the deputy director of whatchamacallit. All of these millions of dollars in salaries every year in the Biden administration's bloated, inflated, massively overstaffed offices. And they're getting nothing done. Litter has got a litter. Homeboys are going to continue throwing their 40-ounce malt liquor bottles out the windows of their cars. You can't clean up the environment in the low-income minority neighborhoods when the low-intelligence minority residents of those neighborhoods don't have the common sense God gave a goat to pick up after themselves. Those two folks who left were the main point of contact with the administration for the wild and crazy climate activists, the tree huggers, the oh-boo-boo-hoo-hoo-hoo people. Now, only one of three officials focused on environmental justice remain. And guess what? The White House has been short-staffed, according to this article. This article, obviously written by a liberal, progressive, Democrat, woke so-and-so, is looking forward to the Biden administration spending more of your and my tax money for salaries to replace not only those two, but they want a whole lot more government hacks to be given cushy jobs. And when you and I know the truth, Nothing is going to happen until you tell Tyrone and Letitia to quit throwing crap out of their car windows. It only proves further that the ever-expanding democratic government is expanding to meet the ever-expanding needs of that ever-expanding democratically run government. How agencies interpret environmental justice initiatives could vary wildly since the Biden administration has yet, after one year in office, to even define its most central terms, including whether 40% of the targeted so-called benefits will refer to actual spending or ever make it down to the hood, to the projects, to the low-income minority neighborhoods. That's the truth. And you guys keep littering your own front yard. And for you, the truth hurts. You know how the Democrats are hating themselves, some Joe Manchin and some Kirsten Sinema right now, calling those two people turncoats and traitors? Well, the Republican Party has a few of those themselves, one being, of course, Mitt Romney, the other being Liz Cheney, and I can think of a few more. 
But I want to focus on Mitt Romney, the Republican in name only from Utah. He is actually out there sending a warning to the Democrats of the potential consequences that they will face if they change the Senate filibuster and the GOP retakes control of both chambers of Congress in the 2022 midterm elections. Well, it's sort of like having Coach Sean Payton run across to the Dallas Cowboys bench and say, these are the plays we're going to run in the next quarter. So you guys might want to get your things together and adjust your plays accordingly. The Utah Senator Romney, a turncoat Republican and name only traitor, was responding to gropey Joe Biden's speech from Georgia on Tuesday when the feeble-minded commander-in-cheat argued that the future of democracy is at stake and begged Congress to pass the two voting rights bills by sidestepping the filibuster. Biden threw his support behind an effort to exempt those measures from a GOP filibuster so they could be put to the vote. The problem is you have to have 60 votes in the Senate to bypass the filibuster, even temporarily. And they just don't have it. Senate Democrats have been unable to pass several pieces of gropey Joe Biden's legislation because the upper chamber is, and I'll say it again, this is a lie. They say it is 50-50 split, but it is actually the Republicans who have 50 seats. The Democrats have 48 seats. And yes, there are two independents, Bernie Sanders and some other clown who claim to be independents, but always vote with the Democrats. And so they're saying it's a 50-50 split. And that gives Camel Toe Harris, the vice resident, the power of the tie-breaking vote. Romney warned the Democrats Tuesday that there is, quote, a reasonable chance Republicans will win both houses in Congress and that Donald Trump himself could once again be elected president in 2024. Have Democrats thought what it would mean for them, for the Democrat minority, to have no power whatsoever? Romney said, the United States Senate is one of our vital democratic institutions, and the power given to the minority in the Senate and the resulting requirement for political consensus are amongst the Senate's defining features. He then continued, note that in the federal government, empowerment of the minority is established through only one institution, the Senate. The majority decides in the House. The majority decides in the Supreme Court. The president, of course, is a majority of one. And only in the Senate does the minority restrain the power of the majority. Go ahead. Give him the whole playbook, Romney, you clown. He called allowing the minority to have power critical because then bill passing through the Senate will be aimed to be bipartisan and not originate from the extreme wing of either party. He criticized Biden's speech on Tuesday, where the president said it was Republicans' endgame to turn the will of the voters into a mere suggestion. But that is wrong. Biden is just a chicken, feeble-minded old man. Biden goes down the same tragic road that was taken by Trump, casting doubt on the reliability of American elections. It's a sad, sad day. Romney said, I expected more of President Biden, who came into office with the stated goal of bringing the country together. Romney is not only a traitor to the Republican Party, but to America himself. He's been an outspoken force on Capitol Hill against Donald Trump's claims about the 2020 election. And he, Romney, voted to convict Trump not once, but twice in those Senate impeachment trials. Both of which, by the way, Mr. Trump emerged as not guilty. Chuckles the Clown Schumer is a little bit pissed at Romney. 
He told MSNBC on Wednesday that he thought Romney's response to Biden's speech in Georgia was unbelievably amazing that he would equate Donald Trump and Joe Biden. To equate that with Democrat upsetness at wanting to change the rules so we can have fair and free elections is just an absurdity, and Mitt Romney knows that, said Chuckles the Clown Schumer. Mitt Romney knows that. He knows that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are not the same. But you're wrong, Mr. Schumer. Donald Trump was the President of the United States of America for four years. Gropey Joe Biden has been the President now for just shy of one year. They are the same. They are the same in power. They are both presidents of the United States, whether you like it or not. Schumer highlighted Democrats' arguments for wanting to change the filibuster to pass these so-called voting rights laws, which he says state legislatures making sweeping changes to voting laws hurt the minority. Guess what, clown? States' rights. Why don't you go back to school, chuckles Schumer? and take Mitt the freaking traitor Romney with you. Learn in your civics class about states' rights. Learn why we are the United States of America and not the dictatorial state of Biden and Schumer. And for you, Mitt Romney, you can kiss my lily white behind. And while we still have a republic form of government, a democratic republic, be thankful we're not in Canada. A judge in Canada has suspended a man's right to see his 12-year-old son because daddy isn't vaccinated against the Wuhan China novel coronavirus. The man asked to extend his visiting time with his child over the holidays, but the mother, a bitch, who has custody, opposed the request saying she recently discovered that daddy wasn't vaccinated. Anything to keep the kids from the fathers. And you wonder why our society sucks. Judge Jean-Sebastien Viancourt ruled that it wouldn't be in the child's best interest to have contact with their father, considering there is a surge in COVID cases in the French-speaking province of Quebec. In a December 23rd decision, two days before Christmas, he suspended the man's visitation rights until February or until he gets vaccinated, whichever comes first. He was cited in the judgment as having reservations about the vaccine. The child's mother produced evidence from his social media account to show that he was opposed to both vaccines and the government's health measures. The judges there, of course, paid by the government, made their decision based on describing the man as a, quote, conspiracy theorist, unquote, based on evidence from his Facebook page and noted that he didn't explain why he had reservations about getting vaccinated. The judge wrote in the ruling, it would normally have been in the child's best interest to have contact with his father but it is not in his best interest to have contact with him if he is not vaccinated and is opposed to health measures in the current epidemiological context. The judge noted that the child had received two doses of the vaccine, but that was still not enough to allow access to daddy. Another factor that weighed in the judge's decision was that the mother lives with her new husband and two other children. One is a seven-month-old, the other a four-year-old, and these children can't be vaccinated because of their youth as COVID vaccines are not offered to children under the age of five in Quebec. The judge said, in these circumstances, it is not in the best interest of any of the three children for this father to spend time with his son. The judge is the first that has ever deprived a parent of visitation rights on the grounds of vaccination in Canada. 
Disputes in Quebec of children's custody are usually decided based on what a judge thinks is the child's best interest. And here's where the hypocrisy and the double standard comes into play. If the vaccine is so damned good and the son is vaccinated, then daddy should be able to see the son because the son is protected. He has a magic shield around him. Oh, but the judge says daddy also has to be vaccinated. The judge is obviously blind and or ignorant or just plain stupid because if he would simply read the papers, he would know that the vaccines currently do not provide protection to keep you from getting COVID. There is no strong scientific evidence whatsoever to prove their claim that the vaccines will make your hospital stay less or your symptoms less. If the vaccine is so damned good and the son has the vaccine, he should be able to crawl all over daddy and never have to worry about it. Oh well, that's life in Canada. But don't worry, some clown in the United States of America will read that article and he will try that same BS here. And I hope to God a conservative judge hears it on appeal and the kid's father sues the crap out of the mother and out of the judge that makes such a bonehead ruling. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.